lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. So we've got a great show for you today, listeners, and I'm not sure who this show is for. Is it for the listeners or is it for Lee? I've got Pamela Gail Johnson, and she is a practical happiness advocate. She founded the Society of Happy People in 1998, created the first three globally celebrated happiness holidays, and is the author of Practical Happiness, Four Principles to Improve Your Life. She started her career working at Junior Achievement, then in the mental health and substance abuse field at the Hazeldown Foundation. She was an award-winning salesperson for American Express and Staples, and now helps leaders and teams create happier workplace cultures through her speaking and programs. She's a Dallas girl, and her happiest moments are when she's spending time with her friends, meeting other people who are aspiring to live their happiest life. Pamela, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me on the show. So, you know, when I started the show, I said, I'm not sure who this is for, because honestly, I need some happiness. <laughs> I Yesterday, I slammed my finger in my car door. And besides, you know, it being quite painful, then you get all caught up with being mad at yourself for doing it. And every time I look down today and I see that big black finger I just get a little bit unhappy with myself. How can I change that? <laughs> well, I have I have one question for you. Do you think this time next year you're going to remember this particular event or to you know to any big degree? No. No. So in our um practical happiness world of happiness zappers, we have five types. And my rule of thumb for what we call annoyances, so those are things that, those are all these like little things that can just drive us crazy given whatever day they they happen and they can zap a lot of our happiness in those exact moments, but we won't really remember them most likely a week or two from now, but we certainly won't remember them a year. So I just asked myself that question, am I going to remember this a year from now? And if not, I just sort of try to let it go. So in your case, you're going to want to do, you know, whatever you need to do for pain management, for icing it or, or you know, whatever to, to, to make it feel good because you don't want to be sitting here hurting. But after you do that, that's your zap map tool that's managing it. If you won't remember it a year from now, you know, just try to do whatever you can do to comfort yourself but to, you know, just enjoy the moment where you don't have to use your finger. <laughs> That's that's really good advice because, but you know, it's amazing how many times, how much you do use your fingers. And of course, somebody said, well, is it your right hand? And I said, of course, it's my right hand. But yeah, maybe the universe wants you to read a book or, or binge watch something. Maybe. So it's the little things. I have found the biggest challenge for me to be, because I work out every day, to be tying my tennis shoes. That has been really, really hard. And I've tried to figure out, you know, what I would do differently. Um, And I thought, just give it, maybe you just need to give it a couple of days. 
and let that finger come back to life. And I know, you know, that sounds like it's a not a very big deal, not a very important thing. But every day, all of us have those little things. And, I, you know, in, in my clinic, I can't tell you how many times when I'm talking with clients, it's the little things. It's the little things that are just part of life, you know, that can yeah, and really... They, and they add up. This is, an, this is interfering with part of your happiness because it, you like to work out, it sounds like. And so, you know, when you go down to tie your shoes and you can't or... Like you said, it's amazing how many times we use our hands during the course of the day and we just take it for granted, totally take it for granted until we, you know, hurt ourselves and it makes it difficult or painful, painful to do. And like I said, those, those things can zap your happiness every, every time you're trying to use your hands in your particular case. And it, you know, you're like, oh, it hurts or, oh, I can't open that jar or, oh, I can't tie my shoe or button something or, or whatever whatever the case may be. And, and we don't really live in a, our culture doesn't sometimes just say, okay, it's okay just to stop. And and like you said, take maybe a couple of days to let your hand get better. We don't really live that way. We try to find the workaround. Oh yeah. I don't want anything to interfere my flow. You know, it's like, and when I stop and think about it, is it really that big a deal? And no, you know, it's not. But it's it's our normal that makes that makes me happy. Well, yeah, it, you're, it's interfering with part of your routine that makes you happy. But on the other hand, if you give yourself those maybe a couple of days, maybe your guardian angels or or like trying to show you something else that might make you happy as well. So sometimes we don't embrace that unknown and say, hmm, what's on the other side of that? happiness door that I maybe need to, you know, give myself that hour to look at. Maybe it's just sitting in your backyard and enjoying spring or something, but, you know, it may not be something like super, super uh, philosophical or anything, but it could just be, you know, being able to enjoy something different. Well, I think what I hear you say is that we all have the ability to access happiness at any time we want, if we're able to just put some thought around it. Or reframe. Reframe is one of the, t- the techniques that are, you know, one of what I call the zap management tools, happiness zapper management tools, you know, to reframe that situation. It's not to say that situation is not real and doesn't, it doesn't exist because it does. And you never want to deny stuff because when you deny stuff, it just grows in different directions. But um, when we reframe it and say, what else is there? You know, you might find a happy surprise. Well, I'm going to keep looking happiness. until I do. Exactly. You it, and when you start looking for it, it's there. So you wrote a book. You recently wrote a book. And it's Practical Happiness. Um, do you talk about the happiness zappers in your book? Yes, we do, because um, the book is based on four principles to help you improve your life. And the second principle is happiness zappers are manageable. And that's a real big part of, of our happiness. It's like this example that you just you know gave us, it's something that's interfering with not just you're going to exercise, but just your 
you know, living your regular day because we do use our fingers a lot. And so every time you're aware of, you know, it being slightly painful or difficult or you can't do something, you can either choose to to let that zap your happiness and just keep being annoyed and, and frustrated and angry, or you can say, okay, how do I manage this? How do I, you know, change my routine for a couple of days to not need to use my hands as much or, you know, whatever the case the case may be. But we get to choose how we manage our happiness zappers. If we choose not to manage them, so like let's just say we want to pretend they don't exist, then they manage us. And then that usually creates us being more and more annoyed and frustrated and not so, you know, not so happy, if you will, because the, the zapper is managing us instead of us managing the zapper. Well, that makes total sense to me. I've noticed how, you know, just since it happened, how my, what nothing makes me happier than to go home in the evening, be greeted by my two puppies and play with them, pet them, talk to them. And I went home last night and I was like, I was afraid because I'm like, oh, I don't want to hurt my hand. And then I thought, you know what? You don't have to rub them with your fingers. So I just rubbed them with the palm of my hands. Actually, I think they liked it better. Well, yeah, you, were, you, you, you again, created a zap map to manage that zapper. Or tonight, you might try even rubbing them sometimes with your feet. Like sometimes they like to, I used to pet my puppy's belly sometimes with my foot when he would just lay under me. And he, he oh, likes yeah. to enjoy that too. So, you know, it's interesting because I have felt a, a lot of uh, emotions and there's, you know, I was unhappy. Mainly I was unhappy with myself because I kind of did it to myself. Um, and then, you know, I felt the stress. And I know these are things that you talk about in your book, the types of happiness zappers. Yes, and stress is a type of happiness zapper. And if we self-blame, which accidents happen, that's just part of life. Since accidents happen, you know, it's, if you can not blame yourself and just say, you know, it was an accident, it happened. And for me, I just usually do a reframe sometimes that, oh, okay, God or the universe is just trying to get me to slow down a bit sometimes because sometimes we get so busy that we don't just stop and, and slow down. So we can reframe it however, you know, we want or whatever works for us. But sometimes when something like what you experienced happened to me, I just, I kind of reframe it that, okay, I need to slow down. I'm not seeing something. I need to maybe read a book or watch something on TV that I wouldn't take the time to do and, and just, you know, assimilate life a little bit different. But definitely if you can, you know, and we're all going to naturally do it for a little bit. But we want to get out of that loop of blaming ourselves as fast as we can because that's not going to help you because odds are in your lifetime you'll slam your finger in the door again at some point. Well, <laughs> if not my finger, it'll it. be something else. I mean, if that's life. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It just, it, it, those little, little twerks just happen. Well, we kind of jumped in to chapter two on the book. So let's back up a little bit and tell me, tell me why you wrote the book. Well, actually, um, when the Society of Happy People turned 20, I was being interviewed by a reporter, Sean Giggy at WFAA, and he asked me, he said, what have you learned about happiness in the past, you know, a couple of decades? And I 
I, I really pondered the question after I ended in the interview, and it really got down to these four principles, and, I, and it's sort of what the society had talked about from day one. We, we've never been something that said, oh, pretend you're happy if you're not, or I don't even really fall completely in the camp of happiness as a choice. I think happiness is always around us, and we have a choice to see it. But we also do experience legitimate unhappiness or the happiness zappers. And when those do show up, we have to acknowledge them so we can actually manage them. So they're managing us less, which means we see more happiness. But the four principles really did fall into, I guess, my own happiness philosophy of life. And and so, therefore, it's sort of the society's philosophy of, of happiness. Um, I, I guess since I founded the society, it goes hand in hand with us. And it's, and so that's really how the book came about. And I think in most cases, people can experience more happiness if you sort of follow these four principles. You know, a lot of happiness is about mindset first. And then we get to take that mindset of us wanting to live a happier life, and then we get to apply that, all the scientific research that's out there now about happiness. But we can pick the scientific research that best matches us, for example. And so, um, and, and that makes us, you know, gives us this opportunity to really be, be much happier. Well, I think that you're right, you know, in the respect that we all have that opportunity. We just have to acknowledge it. And make a, a choice that it's there. And, you know, you mentioned something earlier. You said, I'm not sure if I'm in the camp of happiness as a choice. Tell me more about that. Well, there's, you know, when we have an annoyance, let's say we went to get our, our coffee in the morning and we felt the customer person wasn't, you know, the person giving it to us wasn't quite as nice as they should have been. Or let's say we had a disagreement with one of our kids or our significant other and we, you know, kind of started the day not, not as happy as we would like. But yet we know that, like, it's that question I just asked, asked you. Are you going to remember this a year from now? Odds are you're not. And therefore, it, you know, falls in the category of an annoyance. And I do think in those cases, happiness is really a big choice. We get to choose if we're going to chew on that bone all day, so to speak, and, and be annoyed because you know, we felt something didn't make us as happy as it should have for whatever reason, but yet it's not super significant in our life. And then there's the, the, the things that are what I call real unhappiness. So unhappiness usually falls in the category um, of grief and loss. So obviously the death of a loved one or a, a furry friend, one of our pets, usually, you know, it's at the top of that list. But there's also other losses. Maybe we have an estrangement from somebody in our family or a best friend for, for whatever reason. Maybe we lost a job or a career that we loved and adored. And, you know, we didn't really want to lose it, but something changed. And, and, and our work environment has changed, and so we have to go with the flow. Maybe we have a health issue that's long-term, and your doctor's like, yeah, you don't get to eat that anymore, or, you know, you get to eat that, like, once a year on your birthday. It's a treat meal now, not like your everyday 24-7, you know, fried food uh, delight that you, you like. You're going to have to change that. So there's a loss that goes with that. And that doesn't, sometimes that's not as simple as just waking up and saying, oh, I'm going to be happy. And then we all deal with stress. Stress is another happiness after. So the question becomes, again, how do we manage it? 
And sometimes our stressful situation, we can manage pretty quickly. But sometimes it may be, let's say you're, you're a caretaker for one of your parents. That can maybe be a long-term, a longer-term situation if somebody, say, in the hospital or you're trying to get them stable or you're somebody you love has cancer, so you're part of their, you know, team, <laughs> team let's get them into um, remission and recovery. And, and those are different kinds of, you know, stressors that take place, and they're not as easy as just to say, oh, they're going away, because they're still there. It's a question of how we manage them, and some days they will zap our happiness. And then there's fear. Fear, um, and I always like to preface this, if like your house is burning down or you're in an abusive relationship, you know, physically or emotionally, you know, call the fire department, call the appropriate authorities, get yourself in a safe situation. So there's legitimate fear that we, that we have to um, address. But a lot of the fears we have, is they're just in our heads. So we don't apply for the new job because we're afraid we won't get it. Or we don't try to do something on our bucket list just because we're afraid for whatever reason. Maybe maybe we always wanted to go parachuting and we just don't do it because obviously jumping out of a plane could scare people. I mean, that's a natural fear. But if it's also something we want to do, you know, why not try it? Or we don't. I was play, I'm a horrible pool player, but I was playing with <laughs> playing pool at somebody's house one night, and I'm having fun even though I'm a horrible pool player. And somebody said. Like, doesn't it embarrass you that you're not really very good? And I'm like, no, not in the least. I'm just having fun because I'm just having fun. But some people won't even let themselves have fun. Like, maybe they don't karaoke or whatever. So we have these fears that stop us from doing things that could make us make us happy. And then we have chaos. Chaos happens. You know, you may wake up and you have a flood going on in your house and you have to deal with it. And and that chaos is usually temporary. But if you're sitting there in the middle of a flood in your house, happiness may not be a choice in that exact moment. It may be an hour from now, an hour from the moment, but in that exact moment, you're kind of frustrated and you're going to, you know, need to create your plan to, to manage the flood. So that's where when I say happiness isn't always a choice, I think a lot of times it's situational, but if we're managing that zapper, the choice is we know happiness is around the corner. That makes total sense to me because so much of our life is situational. It's something, you know, if we can just get through the event, just get out of the situation, things change. And and we don't always, when we're in that situation or an event has happened around us, we don't always, it's that fear and it's that chaos that takes over puts that autonomic nervous system in control. So we go to that fight, flight, or freeze state, and we get stuck there. Yeah, well, we do. And it, and so if you're sitting there in that moment and you're trying to just tell yourself happiness is a choice, your body is not feeling that because you just said, like you just said, your body is in flight, flight, or fear state. And so you sort of have to honor that and acknowledge it so you can, again, manage it and not, like I said, not like go pretend like, oh, yeah, well, happiness is a choice right now. And you're like, no, actually, I'm kind of annoyed. Like you like you said yesterday when you hit your hand, you're just you're kind of just annoyed initially because you did it. You're like, why did I do this? And now I'm going to have to, you know, adjust my life for a few days and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's totally normal. And if you don't own how you're feeling about it, again, you can't manage it even though it's temporary. Well, I think, you know, that's there's so many little things that happen in daily life that we let 
kind of set us back. And, mm-hmm. and just looking at it, I love calling it a happiness zapper because that, you know, that's fun. That just zapped my happiness away. And if I have found if I can laugh about it, that that alleviates a lot of the stress. Well, yeah, because when you're laughing, you're getting all those feel-good endorphins. But that's also a management tool to dealing with your happiness zappers. And in, in fact, we have one of our holidays is Hunt for Happiness Week. So this year, we actually uh, have everyone make, so they have, they have them for the year. And you can do this at any time, not just during Hunt for Happiness Week. We actually created um, happiness, a zap to zapper wand. So we had everybody make happiness zapper wand. So you can, you know, have, again, have fun with some of your zappers. So obviously, if your house is on fire, you know, you don't necessarily want to get your toy zap to zapper wand. But if you're dealing with some other kinds of, you know, annoyances and chaos and stuff, you can in your ultimate zapper wand. Now I have a bunch of a bunch of them. Some are crystals. I actually even got a lightsaber. I was surprised how much fun I was having with that. But your ultimate one that you have with you 24-7 is your finger. You can just point it at any happiness zapper and say, go away. <laughs> or say, I'm going to manage you. And you can just pretend it poofs and disappears. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, and it's just, it's just again, like you said, it's about having fun and trying to lighten, lighten the load of most of our zappers that are just, again, very either a situational or just, you know, super temporary. You know, there's, there's just kind of a moment or there are a moment we can choose to hang on to or say, oh, okay, oh, well, <laughs> you know, like, oh, it's raining and I forgot my umbrella. Oh, well, I'm just going to get wet. <laughs> And just laugh about it and move on. Well, you know, it's interesting. When we started off, you said, would you remember this a year ago? And I'm like, no. And I started thinking about it. I don't think I'd remember it three months from now. You know, as soon as my finger gets back to normal, that's going to disappear. Well, and I think that's why that's such a, a powerful question. If when we're in a place, whether it's situational or, you know, a little bit um, super, super temporary, like, like I said, a customer service rep, if we ask that question, am I going to remember this a year from now? And if the answer is no, then just try to, you know, do your best to let go of any of those anxieties and stressors around that situation, because though it's not really life-defining. It's not one of those moments that you're like, oh, okay, I, I used to repair typewriters and I really liked repairing typewriters and now people don't use typewriters. So I'm going to need to learn to repair something different. I mean, it's, it's not a situation like that where you're having to make a, a change that you maybe didn't want to make, but say technology decided to make it for you. But you still have to go through that little morning, that morning grieving cycle over it. Yes, you do. So, and that takes and that takes a little longer, and that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you, like I said, but so many of our zappers really are those things that, like I said, we really won't remember. Even when we sometimes get into an argument with our significant other, or our best friend, and or our a sister or sibling or something, and we're like, "You're just driving me so nuts." But again, sometimes you'll go if you think about it. I remember a time. I had a girlfriend, this was in my probably early 20s, so I had a girlfriend that I got so mad at over something 
that we didn't talk for a couple of years. And she saw a story in the local newspaper. This is when I lived in Abilene that I was moving to Florida. And she stopped by my office to tell me bye. And I couldn't remember what I was mad at her over to the point that we didn't talk for a couple of years. And wow, isn't that amazing? Yeah, and at the time, it must have, I must have thought it was huge. And it really did start reframing how I look at a lot of different kinds of, you know, frustrations that take place in, in, in the course of a day. And I really do try to ask myself that question. Like, okay, is this such a big argument that I'm having with somebody or disagreement that I'll be thinking about it in a year? And if the answer is no, I really do just try to let it go because I'm like, it's just either I'm being petty or they're being petty or we're both being petty, but it's really not worth, uh, you know, a friendship or a relationship or whatever. No, it's not. And, you know, we've got a couple of minutes left before we go to break. And I'd like to kind of reflect on that reframing because I use that a lot in my practice with, you know, we've all got those self-defeating thoughts. I used to have these, these two called the shoulds and the must. And mm-hmm. you should do that, Lee. You must do that. And then when I didn't do it, they would call out their, their two good friends, shame and blame. You know, well, mm-hmm. shame on you, Lee. It's all your fault. You didn't do what you're supposed to do. No wonder that didn't happen. And I realized, you know, that those are self-defeating thoughts. And I thought, I'm getting rid of those shoulds and those musts. And I replaced them with the coulds. And I would force myself to say, well, I could do that. And if I did that, what would happen? Well, this would happen. Okay, I like that. This would happen. And this would happen. Well, okay. So two out of three is good. I think I'll do it. And once I got rid of those shoulds and those musts, it activated me to really take take initiate action and take action that I thought about it when I thought about it. And I, and I know we've got a lot of, you know, a lot of shoulds out there. We've got all or nothing thinking, you know, that's all black and white. And before we got a break, I got to leave you with one thought. There is no perfect. We'll be back after these messages. This is Uncommon Sense for Leaders, a forum for exploring leadership from the intellect, the heart, and the spirit. Whether you're a leader now or aspire to be a leader in the future, you owe it to yourself to learn about the big ideas that have shaped the careers of compelling communicators, masters of influence, and highly effective leaders. Uncommon Sense for Leaders. Tune in to hear thought-provoking ideas on every aspect of leadership. You can expect dynamic discussions with special guests, quick tips you can apply immediately for better results, and the tools you need to take you from where you are to where you want to be as a leader. Are you ready to crack the code for achieving unprecedented results? Then join the host for Uncommon Sense for Leaders, Catherine Carlisi, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the All Business Radio Network. Research has suggested that hugging can provide a boost to your mental and physical health. 
However, many adults who weren't hugged by their parents as children may feel uncomfortable at the thought of hugging. Cooch is a Welsh word meaning to hug or a safe, welcoming place. People in Sweden often send virtual hugs via text message, signing off with the word cram, which means to hug. The Danish word huga means the absence of anything annoying or emotionally overwhelming. A huggle is a cross between a hug and a cuddle. And canoodling is another word for cuddling. As for those people who truly cannot tolerate hugging or touching, they would be known as half-a-phobic. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. So before break, we were talking about the happiness zappers. And I was talking about how, you know, we all have self-defeating thoughts. When my personal ones were the shoulds and the musts. Lee, you should do that. You must do that. And then I kind of changed that and replaced that should with a could. What are your thoughts on that, Pamela? Well, I think whether you know it or not, you do what I call creating a zap map, which is a zapper management action plan. When you when you own when you own the situation, and then you get to sort of be in more control of it. And when you change that language from should to could, it, it's letting you own it and manage it in a very proactive way versus feeling sort of like um, it's it's not pulling in positive. Uh, I mean, it's pulling in positive emotions about a situation instead of the negative ones that lower your vibe, they lower your happiness, and they make it feel like going through that situation is, you know, digging a ditch, so to speak, or trying to dig yourself out of a ditch. Whereas when you could do something, when you want to do something, and and that want can be to, to, to improve it. So let's say you want to lose 10 pounds and you decide you're going to eat healthier when you want to do it because you really want to do it, it makes it so much easier to say, oh, you know what, I'm not going to have a fried food or I'll just have a bite of the fried food and then I'm going to get a really nice, healthy summer salad with grilled chicken on it because I want to eat that because I want the result. It's so much It's so much more empowering and it's so much more about managing a situation than, oh, well, I have to or I can't eat um, this or you know, if you're using that negative verbiage, it just, again, lowers your vibe and it makes you feel like that situation is managing you instead of you managing it. And so I think you just did a beautiful job identifying that for you and, and managing your, you know, words to make you feel better. Well, thank you, because I think, you know, we all can do it. We all need to stop and think about what our happiness apps are. And, and a lot of times it is. It's that negative chit-chat that we get going on in our brain and we just let those, those conversations flow. And for me, just, you know, changing the word, Oh, I'm not going to say should anymore. I'm going to say could look how simple well, that was. Because we also forget that sometimes everything, it's not that everything is going to go right as planned, but you can still end up taking any experience and, you know, I, I said the example that I'm not like a good pool player, but maybe what if what if I practiced enough that I became a good pool player, a respectable one? But it has to still start with me having fun doing it. 
and realizing that, you know, I'm probably not going to win if, I, if I'm playing, but that's okay because I'm not going to get better if I don't, if I don't keep trying and keep learning and keep having and keep and most important have fun doing it so I feel good about doing it um so my expectation is in place and and can have fun about doing it but so when we go down that path with those words like I wanted a section I think my editor taught me out of it called coulda shoulda woulda but when we have those words like that those are heavy words and they also connect into those words like you just said guilt and shame and blame and and all of those those things, and sometimes life just happens. And the question is, when it happens, how do we pivot? For example, you and I were just discussing the last couple of years. Life happened to the globe, and in the sense of the pandemic, and we've all put ourselves in a place that we everybody is pivoting on some something. Um, maybe we have different different ideas about what we're having to pivot about, but everything from working at home more to uh, our perception of germs. Like I, I used, I made a joke when the pandemic started that I'm like, I had, cause they were showing all those things about when we just talk and our projectile sit. I was like, I think I'm carrying a mask with me forever because I know there are some people I don't want to be French kissing. And apparently I've been kissing everybody and there's, some people that, you know, I just, I just know I don't want their projectile spit on me. And I'm kind of kidding. I don't, well, I do carry a mask with me all the time, but, um, and I haven't been in a situation where I felt I had a need to put it on, but I am now very aware. Like I watch my mouth to make sure I'm not necessarily spitting. Like don't keep your mouth open, wide open all the time when you're talking because somebody else may not want your, your, your spit on them. But I didn't realize, you know, exactly how that worked. That was a new, a new, a new thing for me. Like I said, so we've all, um, people are about reevaluating friendships. I actually had a society member who sent me a, a letter once. This was early in the pandemic, but she was like, I, I kind of started realizing how much stuff I was doing that I didn't really have fun doing. <laughs> like, and I actually like my husband a lot. I, I've kind of forgotten that because we were so busy all the time. So, again, people have been reevaluating, you know, what they want to do, their lives. And, and again, that was something that, you know, was, wasn't by choice. The globe just sort of went there. Yeah, it does. So, the, we've talked a good bit about happiness efforts. And there's still, I feel like there's, there's still something that we haven't covered in this category. Is there anything that we haven't? Um, no, I think our happiness, I mean, we've discussed about how to, man, I think, managing the happiness zappers. So, I, and I think managing our happiness zappers are probably about, you know, 50% of our happiness. Because like you just said, we have tons of little things that can zap our happiness every day. And how we manage that is so uh, critical to to our overall happiness, uh, well-being, and our whole overall happiness picture. Um, and then the next part of the book is about, and, and I think our happiness is about us, how we define our happiness, and 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 how we acknowledge what makes us happy. And so those are the other three principles. If you want to, you know, if we want to visit about those. Okay, well, let's do. Because, you know, is the goal to be happy all the time? Well, I think, I think 
the happiness zapper piece, you know, covers that, that this is, well, it can, it can be a goal. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Those zappers are going to sometimes just show up and we again have to manage them. And sometimes it's for a few seconds and we can let it go, but sometimes it's longer term and, and we just have to go with that dance. But even when we're in the middle of, let's, let's say you're taking care of somebody who's in the hospital and they're going to have to go to rehab and it's, you know, it's not like a, just a surgery and then they're going to be well in 24 hours or 48 hours and, and, and bouncing around. You've got a few weeks of recovery ahead of you. And so there's a, you know, that can get exhausting and stressful and you've got the fear of just probably having somebody in anesthesia and just all sorts of stuff. So that experience is, is very real, but even during that experience, it does not mean happiness didn't happen. So there's other happiness, other happy types of happiness. We have 31 types of happiness because we say happiness is bigger than you think um, that also happen during that same window. Like if somebody had surgery and the doctor comes out and tells you everything went well and the person's in recovery, there is no greater happiness than the relief you feel that they're in, you know, the recovery room at that point. And you, you're, you're smiling and you feel good inside. Um, I like to define happiness as happiness is when you feel naturally good. But naturally good is going to be dependent upon the moment in, that was before it. So sometimes, let's say you had a really chaotic day with your kids or whatever, and you're finally, you finally get them to bed, and you're like, you sit down on the couch, and you finally just get to take a really long, deep breath, and you get to listen to the silence, that can be happiness for you. Just that feeling like, all my chickens are in bed, they're feeling good, and, you know, I get to just, you know, put my feet on the coffee table and just breathe and just have that uh, little tiny moment of peace. That may be, you know, happiness in, in that moment and, and in that time. So our happiness can be a lot of different things depending on the moments before it. That's, you make a very good point there because it's, it, it, it is, it's cumulative. If our day starts off good, I think it's easier for us to stay happier throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Then when it, if it starts off bad, then we, we're kind of trying to rebound from that. Um, does this book tell people how to be happy? I mean, you tell them how to zap, have happiness zaps, <laughs> but... What else? There's got to be more than just knowing how to zap, unzap something. Well, I try, I think, okay, so it gets back to the principles of the book. So your first principle, the first principle is happiness is personal. So let's say you and I both like roller coasters. And so we decide we're going to go ride a roller coaster together. Even if we're sitting side by side on the roller coaster and we get off the roller coaster and we agree that we had a good time, that we both had fun and it was exciting and it was all the things a roller coaster is supposed to be, you and I still had a different experience. And so maybe I rated it a seven or eight and maybe you rated it a 10 plus or maybe you rated it a five, even though you enjoyed it. So our happiness is always personal. So I don't think there's just this one formula for happiness. I think that formula is somewhat very dependent on where you are and where you are may depend on where you are. It can depend on the day. I mean, it can change on a dime. If you didn't get a good night's sleep last night, you may or may not have your happiest day because your body is just physically not as, you know, it's tired. And it's like, hey, I want you to go to yoga. I want you to take a nap. I need, I need some yoga nidra. It's, it's, your, 
because it's just that's what's going on for you at that moment. So I think happiness is very personal. So that's the pr- principle number one. Happiness is personal. And so one of the things I like to ask people, and I'll ask you, what's one of your happiness is personal? So your spouse might not be like might not be their happiness is personal. Your kids, your girlfriends, your siblings, whatever. But what what is something that just you know makes you uniquely happy? Well, you know, you're you're exactly right because I'd be willing to bet you that there's probably five or six common factors that make just about everybody feel happy. But how those how those factors play out in your life are so very different. Yeah. So I mean, what, what do you what think would one of yours be? One of mine would be spending time with my family. My son and his husband just moved back from Palm Springs to Dallas. My other son and his wife, they don't live, his partner, they don't live here. So just having one of my kids this Mother's Day, having one of my kids to spend Mother's Day with just made me so happy. Yeah. See, it's it's that relationship and, and that that moment and um that that and actually, if we had to have one factor that makes us happy, it I think from all the studies I've read, it it really is having some significant relationships. But those relationships again are different for each person. Oh, absolutely, and and you know when I talk to clients all all the time, and when we talk about what's important to them, their family and their close friends are always important to them, and spending quality time. But it's it while it's maybe universal, it can play out in so many different ways. It, well, exactly, exactly. So that's principle one. It's happiness is personal, and not letting. And one of the things we always have to remember about that particular principle is um, not to rain on other people's parade. So let's say you have a significant other who you know wants to watch scary movies all the time, and you don't like scary movies. That doesn't mean that you should, you know, be like, why are you wanting to watch the scary movie? You know, I, I don't like it, blah, 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 you know, because you're stealing from their happiness. And, and vice versa, if there's something you love to do that maybe some of the people close to you don't, you know, always appreciate because our happiness is always personal. And, and sometimes we let, let it get a little competitive and a little strange, but just, just again, own your happiness as personal. And then the third principle is happiness changes as you change, which is sort of connected to principle one, that happiness is personal. But, um, you know, what makes you happy is um, going to change as you change. Like, you, it sounds like your kids are grown right now. Or they're all like an adulthood. They are. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. So getting to spend time with them on Mother's Day makes you feel super happy. But there was probably a time when they were like about two, you probably were happy if you actually just got to go to the bathroom by yourself. <laughs> like, yeah, I got, I got like five minutes in the bathroom alone. I'm so excited. Um, and then you reach a different phase of like, I'm just happy that when they want to spend time with me, <laughs> that usually starts in, the, you know, the teen years because you're, you know, your life changes and you end up in different, you know, different phases of your life. And there, sometimes your life changes based on, you know, age and maturity and uh, technology, you know, just a couple, tons of different things impact our um, happiness changes as, as we change. 
Um, so I, I think that's principle three. I think sometimes we lose some of our present happiness because we're trying to chase past happiness. We're like, oh, but I used to do blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't, you know, it just doesn't feel quite the same. In fact, let's say you have a favorite vacation spot or you a vacation spot you like to go to. So you go there every year, even though that vacation spot can make you happy every year, the experiences that you have, have there are still different each year. So some years maybe were more fun than other years or, you know, because it's, it's again, you, you can't recreate an ex- the exact same experience. And so oftentimes when we're talking about our happiness, that it changes, we, we sort of forget that, that component, that it's changing as we change. Do you, do you have one of those times that your happiness has changed? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'm in the winding down a, a Ph.D. program and I've seen my happiness change by semester. <laughs> Because you're getting closer to the goal, right? Yeah. I mean, and and my expectations of meeting the goal are coming into play, too. You know, it's, it's all what we have going on in our head and what our expectations are. And, and you know, I, I hear people define happiness so many different ways. You know, oh, it's all about making my, it's, you know, happy wife, happy life. no. Um, it's all about making my kids happy. As long as my kids are happy, I'm happy. No, uh, it's happiness to me is such a personal, and you talk about this in your book and you've talked about it on the show. It's so personal. And, but that's what makes it, you know, all about Lee. And I tell people all the time, you know, focus on being you. Nobody else can be you. And focus on your happiness. Nobody else may want your happiness. No, and those things can't, you know, like sometimes you may be in a a place where, yes, when your kids are happy, that makes you happy. Or when your wife is happy, that can make you happy. That, That can be, that's there and can be okay. But that can't be the only part of your happiness. That's just one of the happy, you know, happy pieces of pie, if you will, that makes up your, your happiness circle. Um, because our happiness is so, it, it is so unique and personal to us. And it's also in part based on where we are, what we're going through and changes we, we're, we're making. But one of the things I'll tell you is I do think everybody, for the most part, and, and I've got a gift for your listeners here, everybody for the most part can be a little bit happier if they broaden their definition of happiness. And so we have the 31 types of happiness. And if your listeners go to SOHP.com slash gift, so that's SOHP.com slash gift, G-I-F-T, they can get our happiness counter and it has the 31 types of happiness on there. So now in the book, we actually give you stories about each of these types of happiness from people and what that type of happiness means for them might mean something different for you. Like what amuses you might not amuse me and vice versa. But it, but this book, it just, again, gives you examples of what it means for them. But you don't have to have the book. You can just print off the counter. And I encourage everybody to take this counter and go count up for the past, say, 30 minutes or past hour or get as ambitious as you want to be, how many of the different types of happiness they experience during that window of time. 
the vast majority of people, and I've done this for two decades now, the vast majority of people who do this usually discover that they were a little bit happier than they initially thought they would have been. Like they had more happy moments than they would have guessed. I think you're right. I absolutely do. Well, I'm going to take advantage of your lovely gift for the 31 types of happiness because I'd be willing to bet that that will make me think of at least 10 more. I, I suspect it will. So, yeah, so make sure you, you um, do that and let your listeners know. Let your listeners know in the next episode, um, you know, how many types of happiness you experienced, you know, in a certain window of time. I don't usually say to people like, oh, take a guess as to what you thought you would have, but because I don't think, I think that would defeat the purpose. But if you just go add them up, it's, it's really interesting. Sometimes um, I've done it and I've said like, oh, for the last, you know, two hours, what kind, you know, depending on the time of day I'm doing it, you know, the last couple of hours, how many types of happiness have you experienced? And I will literally have people answer um, like almost one per minute. <laughs> like, really? Oh, I was happy 120 times. In, in 120 minutes, I'm like, okay, you are on the uh, super chipper scale. Yay for you. You know, and then you have somebody who may have, may have had, I do remember one time I had a uh, person who very pregnant, like probably could, could have gone into labor at any moment. <laughs> I was watching her closely. Um, you know, and she was like, I think I had three in the last hour. I'm like, yes, because you probably just, you're, you feel like you look like you're about to explode. I'm I'm amazed you had three. Probably sitting down was one of them. Um, and then I did have one time, and this was actually at a mental health conference. Um, one time I had a gentleman who had zero happy moments. He's wow, the only person that's who's ever really had. Well, what was sad was all these counselors started happy shaming him, and I'm like you know, we can't do that because maybe he didn't have any, you know, in the past hour because it was an early morning presentation. And we don't, you know, we don't know what's going on in his life. So we can't, we don't want to happy, happy shame people either. You know, we have to be careful not to do that. Um, you know, we don't know. Maybe his wife was sick. Maybe he's sick. You know, maybe he had a headache. I don't know. You know, it may have been, I'm just lucky to be sitting in the chair. <laughs> and I'm ready to see my CEUs and I'm ready to go. Yeah, and we um, don't know that because who knows? Maybe he had a maybe he had a flat tire on the way to, on the way into the conference. He but, could have, you know. Like I said, we we I, we just we don't know. So you never want somebody to feel bad if they didn't have any. But again, very rare, very very rare that that's happened. Um, it most like I said, and then I'm sometimes just shocked at the number that people have because you can't have more than one. So let's let's say you do it for the. You know, you say, hey, I'm going to count my happy moments in the last hour. And let's say something made you laugh three times. That would count as three times. They're like, yeah, I was actually laughing three times. So that would give you three, you know, you could count humor for three times. So you can experience more than one in a, you know, in, in, uh, in that time frame. Well, I think that one of the most important things that I've heard you say is that we can have as many happy moments as we want to. You've got some guy that's having one a minute. <laughs> yeah. Or if you have more, that's, <laughs> that's, that's just like fabulous. Um, that is a fabulous thing. And, and I do think, 
you know, a lot of the people that, that have more, it's because that's what they're looking for. Uh, we take, like you, you just said with your hands, I guarantee you, you know, do it now, but also do it, you know, in a few days after your hand as well. You're going to start noticing every time you use your hand, and you're going to be grateful for it in a slightly different way. Like next time you go to tie those tennis shoes, and you're, it doesn't even impact you at all, you're going to be you're going to be like so grateful that you were able to do that because this experience, you know, showed you how much you use your hand. And it's, so we we just take so so many moments that really do make us happy. We take them for granted. I agree with you there. We we absolutely do. And I think we've got a couple of minutes left before we go to break. So if you were going to summarize and leave people with just two or three points to remember about their happiness, what would those be? Well, I think I think the biggest two points would be a huge chunk of your happiness is based on how you manage your happiness zappers. So when they happen, if you have the mindset of how do I manage this versus, you know, I'm a victim to it or, you know, I'm just allowing it to manage me, that is going to help you um, work through those situations much faster so that you actually do find happiness quicker. And then the next um, piece of advice I, I would give people is just to remember how big happiness really is. So redefine your definition of it redefine your expectations of happiness. And that's where those other three principles, you know, really do fall into to play. The 31 types of happiness gives you a roadmap of things to look for just in your day-to-day experience. And then the happiness is personal and the happiness changes as you change. Sometimes when, you, when you're thinking something's going to make you happy or you're doing something that's not necessarily making you happy, it's because you haven't necessarily asked those questions. Like, am I just doing, am I just going to the ballet because my best friend wants to go to the ballet all the time, but I would rather be at a concert, you know, and, and maybe then you have to, you know, mention that to your friend and, and so that you start kind of trading back and forth. It doesn't mean well, that we you can don't... all identify with that. And, and, you know, I want to just thank you again and In the last 15 seconds we have, where can my listeners go to access that gift? You go to SOHP.com slash gift, G-I-F-T. Thank you so much for being with me today. I have to tell you, my finger's feeling better already. Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, TogiNet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and thebrainperformancecenter.com. 